Before we begin Carcone Carne this week, I just wanted to mention now's the time. You should totally be getting in on Boost Mobile's family plan. It's their best plan ever. The cost, shockingly low. You can add a line with unlimited gigs for 30 bucks a month. That's it. And if you have a bigger family, that works too. You can add up to four lines of unlimited gigs for 30 bucks each. It's all on Boost's crazy fast nationwide network, which I'm using right now. Everything I do on Carcone Carne this week is on Boost's network. The first month is free for new lines, and when you switch, you can get up to four free Galaxy phones. It's real simple. You can say goodbye, adios, sayonara, to Metro PCS and Cricket, and hello, Boost, and the best family plan ever. I got my plan hooked up on BoostMobile.com, but if you crave in-person contact, go to a Boost Mobile store today. Offer ends June 1st. Your primary line must be on the $50 plan. Restrictions apply. Let's do this. It's Car Con Carne. And it is Carcone Carne, the world's only food podcast recorded in a car. Uh, I'm James Van Alsel. That car is my Mazda 3. I am parked behind, what do you call it? Is it, is it Rot World? Is it uh, We Rot just call St- this the Rot Shop. The Rot Shop. It kind of named itself. Uh, I'm here with Brent McRae, who uh, most recently is writer and star of the movie Chicago Rot. And we are behind... His studio where magic happens and props are created, and I, we, we're going to go in after this. I'm assuming it's horrific and frightening. Um, you know, there's some fun stuff in there. Because this is a horror, well, it, it's not a horror movie. It's a, no, it's a, I don't know what your movie is. It's a little bit of everything. We, we haven't categorized it from the beginning. We just decided to make what we wanted to make and let everybody else categorize it. Uh, it's nuts. I've been told that it is, uh... Too scary to be an art film, but too artsy to be a horror film. So uh, we're, I guess we're riding the line somewhere in the middle. Yeah, let's dive right in. And uh, we're eating food tonight from Yoli's, which is about a block away. Have you, since you're... <laughs> oh, you're laughing. <laughs> Tell I'm me laughing, laughing because they have an open 24-hour sign, and they close at like 9 o'clock. <laughs> well, I guess we got in under the wire. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I went to retrieve. It was just easier because we're going to do the tour afterward. Um, I hope you're okay with food preparers touching your food with their bare hands i am i am a dirty person <laughs> but i also feel that that's what's kept me healthy for years right because you've been exposed to everything yep all right uh, so i got some uh, pollo tacos and some pastor tacos a loving blend of both have you already taken a bite oh yeah i'm eating already my bad was i supposed to wait mm. for you or were we gonna say a prayer <laughs> <laughs> no dig in and I got horchata, which I've already knocked over. It was a good save, though. Mm. That thing flipped backwards and then flipped back on the right side before you lost all of it. I wasn't sure what you were going to look like when I came over here. You've got the full beard going. Yep. Which gets shaved off in the movie. Mm-hmm. But that's a sweet beard. Like, you could hide things in there, like an anchor. I do hide things in there. A shoe? I hide cigarettes in there. <laughs> Perfect. It's, like no, one of my, no. it's one of my best door tricks is to just pull a cigarette out of my beard and light it and smoke it. Uh, you do have different looks in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is fun as a writer and star. You can kind of transform. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's take a step back. Chicago Rot has existed as an idea for 
a handful of years now. Um, at least six. But truthfully, I mean, if we want to go back to the genesis of all of it, potentially like 20. Since you were a kid? I'm 45. A younger person? <laughs> um, a lot of the stuff in the film, the sci-fi stuff, uh, the, the look of all that, the actual creation of uh, those characters, whatever, started from a mannequin that I've had for over 20 years that has been in either the foyer of my apartment, in the living room or somewhere, and it was something that I painted on and started building up on over the years and started like kind of creating a character. I was going to write a comic book a long time ago because I draw a lot, and uh, I was devising this character for a comic book, so I was kind of turning my mannequin into that, and then... Um, I actually dressed up like that character one time for an art show just to freak people out. Mm. And then uh, when I started really getting towards working toward the script, I really wanted to incorporate this type of character into the film. So, I mean, stuff like that's been brewing for years. And this is total indie stuff. You can watch it. I watched it on Amazon. Uh, It's also on iTunes. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the usual streaming places. But to get there... Most of them. uh, To get there, you had to... I mean. You did crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge salesman, so when it comes to stuff like that, I'm not loving that we have to do that. But, I mean, you got to get your money somehow. So I'm the same way. I think a lot of people who do creative things hate the idea of that, hate the idea of soliciting and hustling. Promoting and marketing is one thing, but yep. asking people for money, I hate it. So do I. I think that, personally, most creative people aren't, aren't salespeople. And most salespeople aren't creative. I think those are two parts of the brain that it's a rarity when they come together in one person's mind, you know? Without a doubt. All right, so it's out now. You mentioned the art house quality of it. The movie has, at the front and back, um, a woman playing piano while driving. Is that a flatbed truck? It is. It's a, uh, was it 19, man, if I, I'm not even going to say what it is, because if I get it wrong, Billy, British Billy, who owns that truck, is going to kill me. But I, that was my, when the credits, right at the beginning, that was my first sign that this isn't going to be at all what I'm expecting. Good. Th- this is unusual. If it's harder to categorize, the better it is. I, I thought so. Um, a lot of people in the movie industry beg to differ and <laughs> think that something needs to be categorized very specifically in order to find the right uh, audience, but I just don't agree with that. And neither did my crew. So, right, so what is your elevator pitch for the movie? We didn't have to elevator pitch it because <laughs> we made it ourselves. You know? um, for someone listening whose curiosity is peaked, what are they getting? They're getting a revenge, sci-fi, rock and roll, supernatural horror thriller. And sometimes all at once, especially yeah. toward the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when we started making a movie, like I said, I'm no young kid, so I got limited time on the field. <laughs> I went back to film school. I went to Tribeca Flashpoint for a year and a half. I did the, the, the quick program that got me out of there under two years. I did that at like 35. And when I did that... When I came out, the were you the oldest person there? No, I wasn't, but almost. Like to the point that I was really serious about it. Was the first one in class. Everybody else would start filing in and think I was a teacher. Um, I'd have to go on group projects with kids. You know what I mean? And they, I'm the same age as their dads and stuff. It was kind of funny in that way. But um, if not creepy, 
yeah, I mean, what do you do? You know, I, I wanted to uh, go, I wanted to change my life at that point, and it really wasn't changing my life that much. It was just getting into a new genre. Mm -hmm. And the big thought for me was that I may only be able to make one movie in my life. You know, if I can get one movie done, that is more than a lot of people that are filmmakers do. So I threw everything into it. Everything that I kind of wanted to do in a movie, I put in it. That's this why is your was, shot. This yeah. is it. Let's let's go. Yeah, we we like horror. We like sci-fi. We like we're all really artsy people. Um, we didn't want to cage ourselves in some specific genre or whatever. So truthfully, I did like just about everything I could with the money that I knew I wasn't going to have. I mean, you got to be a little mm -hmm. bit realistic at the beginning, and you know, it can't turn into Blues Brothers and there be ten thousand people at Daily Center. You know, right. So you get past that, and I just started picking off things that I wanted to do. I wanted to do a chase scene that was really cool. I wanted to have some sci-fi elements. I wanted to build costumes, you know what I mean? I wanted to go through a change all the way through the movie myself. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. Love it. And by the way, how is the taco? Mine was okay. I eat, I eat there regularly. Because it's uh, convenient. Yeah, and truthfully, as far as being a foodie, I can't cook, so I mean, I, I'm happy with food. So that's two dollar tacos seem to just fine. Yeah, that works. <laughs> a okay. Let's talk about Chicago rot. The word Chicago is there. Chicago is omnipresent mm -hmm. in this movie. I mean, Chicago is practically a character in this movie. Yeah, we really tried to showcase Chicago, and not in the way that it normally is. I mean, there's a million Chicago movies that show all the same landmarks, and mm -hmm. that's not where people that live in Chicago really go and do things. So You know, th this isn't a movie to go see The Bean. No. Or, or a Cubs game. <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, this is a movie to uh, watch strange men masturbating in a weird seedy environment. <laughs> that guy was masturbating in my dad's suit. No, he was not. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> my dad saw the movie at the music box. That was the first thing he told me. I want my suit back. Uh, where was the sleazy motel that you stayed at? Where? How do you use that? It's uh, the Lido, the Lido Motel, and it's not in Garfield Park, but it's somewhere directly west. I'm not really good with the western suburbs because I'm from Indiana, mm -hmm. but it was like somewhere in between here and O'Hare. You can look it up. It's the Lido, L-I-D-O. Looks lovely. It, um, that was a hell of an experience. <laughs> because, I mean, those are the kind of hotels where drug dealers and hookers hang out. Oh, there were there at the time while we were doing it. And you're rolling in there with cameras. Yeah. There was a guy next door to the room that we were in that was immediately throwing baking soda outside or whatever because he was doing some kind of weird voodoo. Because No! <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was in his underwear. Um, within us being there about an hour and him starting to chill out, he was trying to sell us cartons of cigarettes. Oh, my God. There was some weird old greaser guy on the other side of us that I swear to God, every time we tried to do our exterior shots right there, he'd come walking out and want to start working on his car. <laughs> to a point, we were just kind of thinking, like, screw it, just let him be in the shot. Right. You know? It was... Um, that was a crazy experience. I don't know how much in-depth I can go into that without getting some people in trouble, but... <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the cast. How it uh, came together. Like, I, I, was it a bunch of friends who decided to make this movie, or did you actively recruit? I, working at Metro for 22 years, I met a lot of people, and uh, I'd off, often like just fantasize in the sense that like my life is an, is interesting enough, and I meet interesting enough people that are the characters that I'm writing about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So. Um, some of them were actors and some of them weren't. 
Uh, there's a lot of a lot of door guys, you know, in the in the big brawl scene where I mm-hmm. get the crap beat out of me by ten guys. Most of those guys are bouncers. Some of them were stunt people that we knew. Um, Shira Barber, my uh, co-lead, was a bartender that I met at uh, Metro. She's great, by the way. She is fantastic, and another first-time actor. That was her first movie. She's ever great been. in this. Um, she blew us all away when we started doing the rehearsals and everything that she could, I mean, she put everything into it and she could also like cry on cue. I mean, for someone who's never done that before. Oh, it was making me crazy because I'm like, (laughs) I got to kick it up a notch. Right. (laughs) She's raising the bar and she has no experience. Zero experience at that point. So how long in total did it take to shoot? No, let me rephrase. How long did it take to shoot it, it, get it done? Uh, collectively, about six years. Damn. Um, no one ever goes in thinking it's going to take that long. But when you're not made of money, and you're really honestly, I mean... It's a side hustle, too, so you're just stealing hours to work on it, right? Yeah, I was still working Metro when it was going on. Um, I was also doing a side carpentry job in the daytime once in a while. Um, we'd run out of money and yeah. stop shooting for a while and then have to figure out a way to get more money and then start shooting again and then realize that we maybe screwed something up and have to go reshoot something, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, that stuff just, when you don't have somebody really backing you, it's, it'll get done when it gets done. The, the great thing about it is a, that it did get done because uh, from what I'm gathering, like 80% of independent films that start off never really get finished. Well, I'm sure. Cause it, you know, if you're looking at a six-year model, halfway through, there has to be that gut check of, okay, I'm balls deep into this, but yeah, is this worth continuing? Uh, yeah. It's like a startup, really. Totally. And uh, it, it put a lot of stress on my life for a long time. I just, I mean, I thought we were going to be done in two years, and then it turned into like three years, and then it turned into four years, and... Um, so a lot of that too is not like it didn't take us six years to finish the film. Mm-hmm. It took us six years to get it done, get it out in front of people, get into some festivals, and then get somebody interested in putting it out. What's the best part other than just the simple getting it out? What's the best part of having it out like okay. since it's been released? Well, the relief of obviously not having to work on it anymore <laughs> because we all put so many hours into it to finally just say it's done and you can watch it. Um, there are a legion of people that I've known from Metro and my other jobs that were waiting forever to see it. And now that they finally can see it, that's a load off my back. But also to watch it and know that we did a you know, kick-ass job. I mean, we put our heart and soul into that. My crew busted their butts. And there were so many shots that we did, so many days of shooting that went 24 hours. And nobody was really complaining. I love it. And the thing about independent music, movies, writing, etc., what you're getting, by and large, is a pure vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wrote this from beginning to end. You had a pretty clear idea of what this was going to be. Incidentally, I wrote the original draft, and then Dorian, the director, jumped in, and we co-wrote it for a few um, few rounds, and then I really let him take the reins. He, he mm-hmm. kind of jumped in like wildfire and really Co-writing seems it. very difficult. Um, yeah, it is. But if you can find somebody that you're somewhat like-minded with, you know, mm-hmm. and mostly of anything, if you guys can just both be democratic about it, something good could happen. Yeah. Check the ego at the door. I had to do that every time Dorian would have a rewrite and we'd be like, okay, I've got to have a meeting. got to come over here. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to have to talk about this. 
because you're killing my babies. <laughs> you know, you're killing my babies every time. But, I mean, what turned out at the end, the final script, is so much more than I had in my first very short, you know, draft of it. He jumped into that world and, and made it work and made it convoluted and made it darker. It's definitely dark. And it, it's, it's also, it, it's so over the top. I mean, you went for it in so many different ways. That scene toward the end where it's like, Maleficent is in the video game Tron while the most awesome rock show is going on is about the greatest thing ever. Some people really hate that, which is really kind of making me laugh, but different strokes for different folks, I guess. I love it because it was so bonkers. Yeah, it gets a little unreal at that point, but it was a blast to shoot. I bet it was. (laughs) It's a blast to watch. Chicago Rot, again, it's on streaming services. Um, I guess, what's next for you? I mean, now that you've lifted this huge burden off of yourself where do you go to next are you already writing more stuff are you are you focused on bigger distribution for this um i mean i'm kind of a free agent right now in the respect that i never really expected to be an actor that was my first film also um i am uh just took some headshots pretty recently and i'm looking to get an agent i'm looking to probably try to just get some acting roles in chicago because chicago's shooting so much there's so many things going on right now this is I so can't interesting to hear you say this because that up. I, I didn't know much about your acting background now i guess i know why um i have no background <laughs> you're acting in this movie it's not verbal it's i mean it's visually expressive which i think is really hard to do yeah i think i have like the least lines in the movie but I'm in the movie the most. But I'm, You're like Harrison Ford in The Fugitive. Yeah, I'm just doing a lot of fighting and running around. But you have to convey a lot through your eyes. I mean, you've got that big beard. Yeah. Blood <laughs> on your face most of the time. Yeah. Uh, you have to, you've got a lot to communicate there with your eyes. Yeah. I got banged up a lot in that shoot, too. But, I mean, it was still fun. All right. So, you, free agent. The movie's out. I mean, we do effects. Uh, the Rot Shop got created because of this movie, and we didn't want to let it go. The Rot Shop's still here. It's my art studio now. I take a lot of jobs, and they're, they're not necessarily even film jobs. Some people come to me for just something they want built. Um, so I'm, I'm maintaining being an artist, and being an artist for me has always been a little bit more than just being a filmmaker because I was a sculptor and a painter and a fabricator before that, so... I keep busy and I do things. I mean, I'm always just trying to hustle to keep the rot shop open because it's expensive. I bet. Um, but, you know, that being said is why I've been coaxed now to, like, you need to get an agent. You need to start trying to get on some TV shows because, A, there's not a ton of people around here with a beard this big either. True. And if I could hopefully slide into, you know, convict number one or thug <laughs> or bum, you know what I mean? Like, I'm totally fine playing any of that crap. I would think bum. Convict, I think of someone like uh, with a larger frame. Trust me, I can look like a bum. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> you are wearing the knit cap. Yeah. To- well, my hair is crazy. I can go crazy hair in seconds. All right, so if someone's interested in the rot shop or just kind of plugging into this world you've created, where do they go? Um, right now, through the Chicago Rot Facebook page. We will be launching um, an actual rot shop page pretty soon because we're going to go live also pretty soon. But right now, everything gets funneled through the Chicago Rot Facebook page. Love it. All right, so here's the plan. We're going to go inside to the Rot Shop. We're going to put this on Facebook Live. It will live on Facebook so people can check it out later. I do want to mention before we go in there, the Boost Mobile social media message of the week. Uh, This comes from Steve Kroc. Uh, He was commenting on the Lucky Boys Confusion episode. 
from last month, which was awesome. Lucky Boys actually played in my car. And you guys went to Fatso's. I love Fatso's. Oh, my God. Pickle fries? Deep fried pickle The pickles chips? are amazing. And they fry them on the spot yeah. while you're there. They, yeah. They bread them and dip them. I have gone over there before and bought nothing other than like three orders of deep fried pickle chips and just made myself sick. I completely understand that. I love Fatso's. It's due east of the Rot Shop. Uh, but anyway, Steve listened to the show and he commented, uh, awesomeness contained within this podcast. Bands, learn yourself some good stuff. Fans of LBC, enjoy the trip down memory lane. So thank you, Steve. Uh, and Dana, Dana Kroll also commented, Dana Kroll Ryle, great episode this week. So thank you. That's the Boost Mobile social media message of the week. Um, and thank you to Boost Mobile for making this happen. A proud sponsor of Caracone Carne, and I'm very happy to be using their phone and their unlimited data as we do this. And uh, let's uh, let's gather some garbage, and let's go uh, check out some Rot Shop. Right on. Let's do it. <laughs> 